Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition, episode 76 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Overrated, underrated today. We've got a lot to talk about. I have two pages of prep, so let's get into it. Let me introduce professionally evaluator, successful business owner, AM shirt, friend co host, Jake Epstein. Hello. Good morning to you, Jim. It's it's the afternoon. Good afternoon, Jim. There you go. It's the what well, is the morning? It's Monday morning. Oh, stupid bit. What Good are we morning, gonna, Jim. When are we going to give that up? <laughs> it's the morning. Either way, it's the morning. It is. Um. So this past week, I was thinking about how to structure the show as I do every week and how to start the program and. If go back in the archives if you haven't done so already and listen to our unofficial, whatever you want to call it, college series. It is kind of recruiting season it's between September and November. That's when it really ramps up. But the one thing I thought about, and this goes to something I think we mentioned a couple of weeks back, but it's worth talking about again. I just want to throw out a stat. 0.5% of all players, baseball players throughout the country, make it to the major leagues. Now, when you look at college, there's 52,000 players last year, at, and you were at the college level as a coach, as a player. I was as a player as well. So that's one in every 200 high school players make it to play Division I baseball. So my whole message here is and it's something that's being forgotten about, especially in today's world where it's me, 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 and instant gratification is to be a great teammate. That's one of the most important things because I'm not trying to crush anybody's dreams, but the statistics just aren't on your side of making it to college baseball. And if you make it to college baseball, they certainly aren't, aren't on your side if you make it to major league baseball or if you're trying to make it to major league baseball. Get out, of, get out of it what you can. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great game. Take yeah. you places, take you on trips. Uh, you'll meet great friends, great families from the time you're whatever, 12 years old to, you know, when you're done playing. So, yeah, always relish it, you know, and you never know when your last game is. You yeah. know, you never know when that might be it for you. So, um, you're right. Cherish your relationships, you know, with the, the buddies that you make that are your roommates as you get older or that are your teammates in high school that you, you pal around with because they'll be your your lifelong people you can always go to because they've been through those those tough times and they've been through those great times with you. So absolutely being a good, good teammate, that's what people are going to remember um, because it does. It, it uh, thins out really fast, this game, you know, once you get to the high school level. Um, and where you're going, you know, after, after your senior year. So, you know, make the most of, of high school baseball. I, I think, I think high school baseball is so brushed under the rug now with travel ball, um, you know, or club ball or slick ball, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, high school baseball, that's where your buddies are. You know, those are the guys you, you hang out with. You're at school with every day. You have lunch with every day. You hang out on the weekends with them. Um, you know, make the most of that. Enjoy that. It's not as competitive as travel ball, you know. Get out there, have a good time, get a letterman's jacket. See where a game see where the game takes you after that. I think the most fun I ever had was playing high school baseball, but playing for my actually playing for my high school, not playing travel as I did, or not playing Legion ball either. It was playing for yeah. for your high school. Because when you get to the college level, is more it's certainly now money's involved and it's more of a business. Let's just be real about it. Let's just throw it out there that those players yeah. now it's they're they're seen as assets and is more of a business. Yeah, I mean that coach is depending on you as a person and as a player to get his paycheck or her paycheck. You know, right. if, it's, if it's a softball coach, so yeah, it's definitely a business for them. You know, they're trying to find the right people to have a successful season 
and that successful season will lead them to, you know, another year of employment. So it's 100% of business once you get there. So shifting gears, I want to talk about some of the postseason. And by the way, I've been wrong on the American League every step of the way. I tweeted earlier at Jim Tara in the week last week about how the Red Sox were going to win in five. They ended up losing. What was it? I think they lost in five. They, They lost in five, right? So they lost in five. So I've been wrong. I picked the White Sox to make it to the World Series. I've been wrong every step of the way. I haven't been wrong yet on the National League. I picked the Braves to make it to the World Series, and they're up, as we speak now, three to two in their series. And Max Scherzer has some arm soreness, which isn't isn't good, and he's come out and talked about how he doesn't like the opener either. So I think there's a good chance he might not re-sign with the Dodgers. So if there's any Dodgers fans listening, he might not re-sign with Los Angeles in the offseason next year. Nevertheless, though, I'm looking at all of the people involved in postseason baseball right now from managers, front office staff. And there's one guy that sticks out to me through it all. And that's Alex Anthropolis, Anthropolis, excuse me. It's a tough name to say. Very Greek. Alex Anthropolis. He was with the Blue Jays prior to me getting there. And I've heard great stories about him. But the one thing I like about double A, as they call him in Toronto, there's still people, by the way, that really like Alex Anthropolis and wish he never left. But there's, uh, and I'm talking fan base anyway. Um, but there's one thing that sticks out with to him, with with me in regards to him, and that's the fact that he comes from a scouting background. We've talked about that a lot on this show. I mm-hmm. sound like a broken record when I always talk about the scouting side of things. But he picked up some players at the trade deadline: Jock Peterson, yeah. Eddie Rosario. I mean, he all and right. he had to really piece this roster together because of all the injuries, and of course, Marcelo Zuna being suspended as well. But you're looking at some old school managers and a guy with a scouting background in the front office who's piecing this together for the Braves, and they're on the verge of winning the World Series. And it really warms my heart. <laughs> He's done an unbelievable job. Those guys that he acquired at the at the deadline are carrying this team in the postseason. One hundred percent carrying this team. Um, you know, and their pitching is, you know, Snedker and their staff is is holding it together, you know, the best, they don't have an overpowering staff. I mean, they have, they have very quality pitching, but they don't have a, a, a Dodger staff, you know, they don't have those shut down, you know, electric 97 to 99 mile an hour stuff where your pinpoint accuracy isn't as crucial. So I think he's, I think he's done a ter- tremendous job that could have gone either way at the deadline. Maybe they don't pick up anybody. Maybe they pick up the wrong guys. Um, and then they're not even in this situation. They're not even in the playoffs. So, um, kudos to to uh, AA um, for for getting this team where they are right now, for sure. And they're fun to watch. So I'm going to throw out a couple of hitters here, and I, I just want you to kind of give a brief overview if you can. Uh, Chris Taylor. Underrated. Jock Peterson. Chris Taylor is underrated. Jock Peterson and um, Jorge, um, not Jorge Soler, Jordan Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Three hitters right there. Did I say Kike Hernandez? No. Kike Hernandez. Four hitters right there. Uh-huh. Seemingly are all different on paper. Project as different types of hitters. What do you think they all have in common that they're doing so well and that they've they've clicked on all cylinders in the postseason? Well, I think if you look at... That's a loaded question. I mean, more, at, more so I mean, mechanic. Let, let's look at Kike, mm-hmm. right? We'll look at... Um, uh, Taylor, and we'll look at Peterson. Yeah. Those are all three Dodgers that have had, have a or ex Dodgers, one still a Dodger that have had a ton of postseason at bats. Yeah, 
And, and there's something totally different playing in the postseason. Like you know, the atmosphere is different. People tense up. Some people relish that. And some people treat it like a brand new season. You know, you look at um, Bellinger, you know, it's like uh, my season was horrible. I want to flush it down the toilet. I can start fresh right now. My stats are starting fresh right now. Yeah. I don't have to look at my average, you know, my 190 or whatever his, his average was at the end of the year. So right. I think experience, number one. Number two, I think Kike and, and Taylor have very similar swings they have very similar rhythms and strides their builds are somewhat the same I feel like their swing planes are, are very similar sometimes Taylor does drop his barrel and swing up a little bit and I think that's why he goes into you know maybe a valley you know he gets really hot and then he'll cool off for a while uh, but it's very close he has very good mechanics Alvarez I remember the first time I saw him as a rookie um, in the playoffs I'm like this dude just hit this guy just finds barrels He's got a good path. He's a big guy that doesn't have to swing as hard as he can um, when he's hitting. The other thing I noticed about Jock Peterson is he's not swinging out of his out of his tree. Like so many players early in the count swing really, really hard. And then I'm trying to think of somebody recently. I, I was like, whoa, that's a completely different. Oh, it was Bellinger. It was Bellinger. Like early in the count, he's swinging and his head's flying. And then all of a sudden, with two strikes, he hits that pitch in his chin because he's just trying to play pepper, and the ball goes 380 feet or 390 feet. It's like right. these guys don't have to, like, try to hit a ball to the moon every single time. That's yeah. what I see with Alvarez. Uh, mm -hmm. Or is it Alvarez? Jordan? Alvarez? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's what I see Jordan with him. Alvarez, is he's right. just he's kind of a big, strong guy that creates good bat speed without trying to create good bat speed. And it almost looks like he's just trying to catch the catch the ball on the barrel and it goes well what does he do mechanically what does he do mechanically though that creates generates got a short hand path. like uh, okay. all of these guys have really good initial moves with their with their top hand they're not losing it they're not you know dropping their back elbow or bar barrel behind them too quickly mm -hmm. yeah and because of that they're increasing their their consistency or their contact zone through the ball they also every single one of them mm -hmm. great extension None of them elevate too much in their extension. None of them alligator arm it, you know, unless the pitch is up and in or something like that. Sometimes you see Peterson do that. I've noticed right. Peterson's swing is so much flatter than it has been in the past. Yeah, He almost looks like he's swinging 80% and he's just trying to like extend through and, and not almost like he's not trying to release the barrel yet. He mm -hmm. still does. I don't know. It looks very different and short and compact. His fall through is very short, compact. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm seeing these guys figure out that, you know, I mean, there's a big push for intent, train with intent. If you don't have elite bat speed, you're never going to play uh, at, at the professional level. True. Like you're not. Some bat people speed or bat quickness? Bat speed. Yeah. Like some people, some people just move the bat faster than others, even though they might be smaller and they might have less muscle mass, but you know what? They're, whatever they're athletic and explosive and you see that and now we're seeing that at the major league level where these stadiums aren't huge these balls are really hard pitchers throw really hard you don't have to sit there and try to swing as hard as you can all you got to do is make sure you find the barrel on the right angle and it's going to be an extra base hit and I think these guys are kind of figuring that out where they don't have to at least I'm seeing that with with Jordan and I'm seeing that with Jock Peterson is that they're they're not and then Bellinger sometimes they're not getting after it at 110 percent you know intent they're really staying within themselves and they're being rewarded for that.
What do they do lower half wise that helps generate that bat speed? So definitely Kike and Taylor mm-hmm. and Peterson have pretty good leg kicks. You know, yep. they, they have, they have pretty good leg kicks. They have good weight shifts forward and then they sit into their legs really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like perfectly, actually, if I was teaching somebody from scratch, I would use their rhythm. You're meaning an amateur player, maybe 150 pound, you know, uh, yeah. middle schooler or high schooler, you know, that's just learning like that would be a, their lower body works absolutely perfectly. Um, Jordan is, um, not as big with his weight cause he's a bigger guy. You know, he, he doesn't have as much of a weight shift. Um, he doesn't get into his legs as much. He's more of a, um, God, I'm trying to think of a, maybe an old school, you know, hitter that uses his hands more. He's more of a handsy guy, I guess, right. when I look at him, but not like a Hank Aaron handsy guy because Hank Aaron had a pretty good weight shift too. Yeah. Um, I don't know, almost like a, a Sean Casey, you know, a guy that not not a mm. huge explosive lower body. Well, I would have, you know what? You're right. Too. Yeah. I, I would have maybe thrown out Edgardo Alfonso. Yeah. Kind of similar, like similar, si- similar size, different. Different side of the play. It wasn't Alfonso. Right. It was he a right hander? Yeah. He was a quality player. Underrated. I, I, I posted that yeah. on Twitter a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Very underrated player. He was a good player for the Mets in the early 2000s. Hey, really quick with weight shift. I have to, just have to throw this out there because there's always a buzz about weight shift. When you talk about yeah. weight shift, do you, are you talking about weight shift in their stride and their step and their leg kick? That's what you're talking about. You're not talking, you're not talking about the weight shift once that front foot hits because once that front foot hits, that's when the swings kind of, you're all, you're already. You're yeah. I mean, rolling, uh, my right? dad used to talk about it all the time. It's, it's, you have a lateral movement, yeah. the heel plant, and then you want to turn that lateral movement or that weight shift into rotational energy. So because, there's a weight yeah, shift okay. up until you start to rotate. Probably your, you know, those of all my guys and girls that attended the certification training, you know, are yeah. sick of hearing about the short, mm-hmm. short approach position that we talk about a lot, but essentially it's right after the heel plant and we start to rotate. Uh, once that heel plants, there might be a tiny weight shift mm-hmm. um, for, I don't know, one to two frames on video, and and then the weight shift is done. But it's not. But it's not what some people are advocating on social media about front foot planning and then the weight shifts and then you're swinging very m- more so with your upper body and your trunk and your arms. Your and your back leg. Uh, yeah, no, it's no, it's it's I mean, the maybe, weight. Maybe it is in there. Because Ted Williams, the video with Ted Williams, and we've talked about this before with his weight shift. If you want to use that term, that's fine. That terminology, Mm -hmm. his weight shift occurred as his foot was in the air, as he was striding. And then once that foot hit, that's boom, time to, as you put it, quote unquote, I mean, you don't use the term rotate as much anymore, right? We've we've discussed that on the show before. I do. I don't use the term rotational. Okay. Okay. That's when he begins to. It's what it is. Like when you take a step, if you were on a ground force reaction plate, Okay. And you take a step forward, there's 98 point something percent of your weight on the inside of your back foot. Okay. Yeah. In, a, in a proper, like this is a high, high level players, you know, college or professional players. Mm-hmm. When the front foot lands, like 95 to 96% go into your front foot. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's your weight shift from your back foot to your front foot. And then it stays at, even as you push back and start to rotate, that weight stays on the inside of your front foot until right after contact. So even though your body is tilted back, that weight is really up through your front side. So you're fighting that to try to stay behind it 
with your front side. And then the weight finally hits your back foot right after contact. That's why you see the back foot move. That's mm-hmm. why you see the back foot move so much and all the, all the players when they're um, on video, especially if you're looking at Peterson, uh, Taylor, yeah. and Kike. Like mm-hmm. all of their back foots move, you know, probably at least four or five inches forward when they swing. Mm-hmm. On balls that they hit well because they're just transferring that energy and that foot kind of releases um, because we're not collapsing or spinning on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but you described it as always very well. So great job. It's what I do. It's what you do. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. And then you love it and you're great at it. Okay. Let's uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Leave a review as well. We do appreciate that. Email us your questions, Jimbo Podcast21 at gmail.com. Of course, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify on the audio side and on the YouTube side, the lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. New episodes every Monday, archived episodes and clips also being uploaded every day as well. Let's get to our listener question first and then our listener comments. So we'll just title this segment listener interaction that's perfect listener interaction we love our listeners you're quite the wordsmith thank you thank you it's that LaSalle education coming back for me the best working for me all right let's get to our listener question this comes to us we push this back to this week from last week it comes to us from tom from spring texas sent to us via jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com tom writes hi guys out of all the baseball podcasts out there this one is the best one i see things on social media about the arm bar and the potential negatives that come along with it i see hitters at the big league level do it and i think quote unquote hitting gurus mistaken the arm bar in the load of the hands rather than when the lower body starts the swing. Just wanted to make that comment and send it along to you guys. Thanks for a great show every week. And that's from Tom from Spring, Texas, sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for the comment, Jim. Thanks for listening too and the kind words. Um, yeah, his we talked Tom, about the arm bar, you know, what's that? His, his name's Tom, not Jim. You're Jim. You're Jim. Yeah. Tom from Spring. All right. Sorry, sorry Tom. Tom. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I had Jim on my mind here. I got to stare at his giant face on my computer screen. I'm very pale because there's sun coming through the, through yeah, the window yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't have blinds. So I might yeah, I have to fix that in editing. At least I don't look dead. It's good. Yeah. No, you do. You, you're not yellow anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, the arm bar is uh, you're very topical. I mean, as a young kid, like everybody, hey, don't bar your front arm. And yeah. again, if it's, if, you know, for me, if, if that arm straightens right when we go to rotate our legs, it's too late. If the arm is a little bit straight, you know, when we go to rotate, then we're okay. We're not going to leave them behind and, and certain players can get away with it. And, you know, lastly, it's just, it's so hard to fix. It's such a difficult move to get players to, to change. Um, my goodness, if I were to actually change that move, I would probably set up the ball middle in, mm-hmm. have them hit the ball out in front, have a barrier um, right behind their back foot so that they couldn't get long and they had to really, like if you're seeing me on the screen right now, really pull and use that left arm. And we probably have to do that two or 3,000 times without letting them ever straighten their arm like they used to like that would have you'd really have to beat that move out of it otherwise it's going to show up in stressful situations so you know the key to that is you know do what you do in stressful situations if you're going to bar your arm a little bit let's figure out how to how to keep it a little bit straighter in the load so that it doesn't get so drastic when we go to rotate yeah the arm bar let's be clear it's not a terrible thing 
right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's bad. a terrible thing if it's coupled with a, with laying off the bat with your sure. top hand yeah. with casting or bat strike, then it's terrible. But if it's just an arm bar, if I shouldn't even say arm bar, if it's just a straight arm, yeah. but you rotate with it instead of like rotating and then leaving it, or I should say straightening, straightening the arm more when we go to rotate, then it's a problem. If it's already straight, when you go to rotate, we're usually okay. All right. Well, Tom, thank you for writing in. Let's get to our next listener interaction. This comes to us from JJ, a follow-up to his question from last week, sent to us via Jimbo podcast, 21 at gmail.com. JJ writes, Jim and Jake, I realize you have a listener question for next week already, but here it goes. I'm a Red Sox fan, but sympathize with fired Yankees coaches as Phil Nevin. He seems to be out of the Ron Washington school of coaching third base. Washington did everything right and being aggressive against the Dodgers last Sunday night. Were the Yankees brass watching? Didn't Washington do what Nevin did, only with different results? Aaron Judge, though he had a good year, has shown to be vulnerable up and in and low and away with sliders like everybody. But the hole in his swings is obvious. It started after his appearance in the Home Run Derby in 2017. He had a horrible second half that year as teams fed him sliders away. He has no bend in his front knee and his stride, and it forces him to rely on a steeper vertical bat angle to get to low breaking balls, which makes him vulnerable up and in. That's what I meant by a hole in his swing. How do the Yankees allow him to fly his hitting guy around when they have their own hitting coaches? Thames and Pelletier didn't stand a chance. Now, Judge's guy is teaching Judge's swing, one-legged launch, and no bend in the front leg in landing to the unsuspecting on his YouTube videos. Who taught who his swing? This guy is trying to mimic Judge's swing and capitalize on it. Those kids in the videos aren't six, seven, like judge judge hit like he does before his hitting guy got to him. I actually disagree with that. And we'll get to that in a second. Why have hitting coaches on teams? If judge has his own hitting guy, Josh Donaldson, while with the A's summed it up best when asked by one of the A's hitting coaches, what the two of them were going to work on. Donaldson replied, quote, unquote, you and me aren't working on anything. I'm working on what I'm going to work on, unquote. (laughs) Kind of sounds like him, doesn't it? <laughs> I've seen it happen before. Is that where um, we are with players and major league hitting coaches? And that's from JJ, um, a loyal listener. JJ, thank you as always. And he did write uh, a follow-up email back to me saying that uh, Jake is the best out there. JJ doesn't like me very much. I Shawnee is my favorite place. Even though I think I, in, I accidentally insulted Shawnee against the world. I didn't mean to do it. Now he doesn't really like me very much. We do appreciate I love his... His email correspondence and his uh, interaction. Yeah, I, like, I do want to. JJ make, knows knows his stuff. There he does. Some... I do want to make one thing. Uh, I do want to say this though, with Aaron Judge, uh, when you look at his swing when he was in the minor leagues, and I'm not attributing this to anybody. And if it was his hitting guy, teacher man, I got his name right this week. If it was his hitting guy, teacher man, then all the props to him. But Judge's swing, it was not very good in the minor leagues. He didn't get much leverage. And I mean, we can go on and on about what his swing was in the minor leagues. He didn't get very yeah, good. He wasn't on plane. Uh, his swing just wasn't very good when he was in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. And he made those swing adjustments and it's, it's helped him at the major league level. So I do disagree slightly with that. Um, watching him on video from when he his time in the minor leagues. And mm-hmm. when he first got out of college, his swing was not very, it was not very good. And that, I think that's what scouts saw. And that's why scouts gave him kind of a bad scouting report when he was coming up through the minor leagues. Um, anyway, um, so that's the one thing I disagree with on. Now, um, 
we don't know, again, we don't know teacher man. So we, you know, I think you and I may be familiar a little bit with what he teaches. Um, again, we're not here to give credit to coaches or not give credit to coaches. We're not here to persuade anybody not to go to or spend their money with certain coaches. So we don't really know much about him or what he teaches or what his, uh, his coat, his coaching tree, what they teach. Um, we just know what we, you and I like in a swing and, and what we look for. And we, uh, what we see on, on the internet or on Twitter or on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing snippets of, of what they're, they're doing. And, and, and I see snippets of different people. And then sometimes I see judge take wonderful swings that are so compact and short to the ball mm-hmm. and shows some extension and his bat vertical angle isn't as steep. Um, I, I don't, you never know the truth. I mean, I, I don't know. Does he talk to this guy all the time? Does he talk to him once in a while? I do have some information I can't share um, with the public about that relationship. Um, but it is a relationship. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, within the past year or two, at least, whether Judge is looking for other information from other people too, I think that's what a good hitter would do. Um, I, I think hitters need to talk to each other and, and hear multiple voices and, and see what makes sense. You know, going back to the the Donaldson comments about I haven't heard that. We're going to work on what I want to work on. Yeah. You know, I think as a big league hitting, I don't think that's typical i think that's with certain personalities you might have that but you know hitting coaches are are there to assist the player they're not there to tell the player what to do they're they're there to create a relationship with that player and figure out what that player wants to work on and why they want to work on and then maybe provide some video or information that says are you sure you want to work on this are you sure you want to try this here's what you're doing when you do it here's maybe i don't know an area where you got to be careful and so how that hitting coach communicates information creates a good a good relationship now i don't know who donaldson's hitting coach was was it chili davis um you know maybe you have somebody like that that has a stronger personality on the hitting side yeah that maybe it created confrontation between those well he had a separate he had a separate hitting instructor i think it might have been tewksbury it was yeah okay so maybe that's um, maybe he was just going off what he was taught from Tewksbury or what he was going over yeah, with Tewksbury. It and him. it was a difference maybe, in philosophy with the A's hitting. And coach maybe staff. the same thing happened or with Judge, him. right? Judge is struggling in the minor leagues if you if he was. Maybe yeah. his swing was long. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe um uh te- teacher man what what's his real name? Richard. I I found that Richard. out this week okay, too. So, I did my homework uh, Shanks, this week. Right. So maybe he gives him some moves that just make him more compact. And all of a sudden you're six, seven, you're more compact. Now you're getting to better pitches and all of a sudden you're having success. And if you have success, you're going to run with that. And then maybe after you have success, you get a little extreme with it. I'm going to do this more. Yeah. I'm going to do that more. I'm going to, and then, you know, like anything else, we get in, get into problems. And that's where a good hitting coach comes in yeah. to monitor that. You know, are we doing something too much? Are we um, rotating too much? Are we um, using our hands too much? Are we swinging down too much? Are we swinging up too much? Is our barrel coming in too steep? 
this week versus last week. Yeah. Maybe we don't share that with the player all the time, but we're as a coach, we're making notes on that because if we start to see that hard contact rate going down or we're starting to foul off good pitches or we're starting to swing and miss more, now all of a sudden we can go to the notes and the video and say, this is why this is happening. This is what we should do to get back on track. Does that sound like something that you know makes sense to you? Yes. Let's rock and roll. Let's get in the cage right now. Or yeah. no, I feel pretty good right now. I don't want to. All right, let's 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 uh, get a better approach. You know, yeah. let's, let's make sure we're 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 on the same page and you know with this starting pitcher or these relievers or whatnot. So you know, as a as a hitting coach, you have to wear. Again, you can't create confrontation with your players. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Um, if your player doesn't want to listen, then you know, do your best to support them and what they're doing even though you might not believe in what they're doing yeah um or not you know just yeah. let them go or or you can take a stance but it comes down you know it's different with superstars if it's a young kid right that's trying to make the team they're going to be like okay I, I what do i need to do to to get more hits right yeah if it's somebody like donaldson that's been in the league for a long time you know he's gotten hits before he's gotten home runs before let's support him and what he wants to do so that he feels good when he gets in the box yeah so when I got this email this week, I did finally look up more of teacher man, uh, Richard, I'll mm -hmm. say his name, Richard, um, and what he teaches and, and really what he teaches. Is, it's not too far from what we talk. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong from what we talk about on this show. And one of his big elements is that he's very rear legged. Um, I mean, right. I mean, that's. Yeah. No, I, I think there's one move I, I you know, I mean. I've put the bat on, on top of the trap to create a short approach for a long time. Yeah. Um, and he does that, uh, you know, and that's one of the things that I like that he does because so. the first part of the <laughs> swing with his players is pretty good. Like that yeah. first rotation. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, after that, I, I have, I have a lot of differences from there on. Okay. All right. Um, well, fair enough then. That if you have differences, I guess I do too. I, I can't yeah, think. Then, on, I can't think yeah, on my I own. Mean, I'm not going to say it's the word. It's just not. It's, it's not adjustable. I guess that's a big thing that. Yeah. There's not an adjustable move. To, I know he says you can just drop your barrel more, like if it's lower, or mm. um, you know. But what if it's not lower? Yeah. Like, you know, what if it's higher? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of coaches I've noticed, uh, they don't know. Justin Stone's another one. Uh, we're just calling on everybody on this show today. Uh, he's another, they just don't know how to teach the, how to hit the low pitch. It's not easy to teach that. It's hard. I'm, I mean, it's, hard. it's a hard thing to do, but it's hard. low pitch is very hard. Everything's hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we love all you, all of you hitting coaches out there. And we, we, yeah, and everybody we, that, that works to get players better and, yeah. and give them a chance for success. Mm hmm. That's what a coach is supposed to do. Yes. A coach is not supposed to be to be the headline. That's exactly. kind of the problem. You know, his Yeah. The and, reason you coach is is when that player like this morning, I got a, a video of a player and you know, in his uh, college. Um and he hit two had two, two doubles, right? His freshman year of college, they're playing their World Series and he sends me that. That makes you feel good, man. That's why I coach. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. maybe if I didn't get the chance to work with that player when they were 14 years old, they wouldn't be in college, right? Maybe they would be, maybe they'd be at a better college. I don't know. But for it, for a coach um, or a teacher to, 
it's, it would be like a, a teacher, you know, and their student goes to college and writes a, you know, paper that gets published in a medical journal or something like that. You're like, you know what? I had a piece of that. I, I don't know. And that, that's why you should coach. You shouldn't mm-hmm. coach so that you have the biggest name out there yeah. when it comes to controversy. And yeah. I think that's where the social media game has come from. And it's, it's a lot more exciting to lay in the weeds. Maybe you don't make as much money laying in the weeds, but you have a lot more respect and, and people, um, players, you know, players don't lie and players will talk to other players. Hey man, you should, you should really work with this person or work with that person. Yeah. That's the stuff that I take pride in. Yeah. Personal referrals, not, Hey, I saw your stuff on Instagram. What do you got? Like, right. I'd, I'd rather have somebody like, Hey, we're friends with this person. They said to give you a call. All right, here's what we do. All right. Well, either way, you've got, my, you're going to have my, my kid's business one day. So Ooh. if that means anything, great genes, hopefully you marry somebody with good genes. I know. <laughs> I know. I was, going, I was just going to say that I'm going to have to marry somebody with good genes because my genes ain't good. <laughs> my genes ain't shit. I would uh, say, a, you know, division one volleyball player. No, I don't know about that. that no, I don't. Too tall for me. Too tall. Uh, I need a division one soccer player or just a co- former college soccer player. That'd be great. Okay. Fair, That's right? Six foot. That's six soccer, foot. I can't have a six foot. I can't have an Marion Amazon. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, all right it'll bring out your shortness jj thank you for the uh thank you for the email appreciate it jj has triggered us into talking about the size of my future wife <laughs> all right uh be sure to follow us on social media for two guys who hate social media we do promote it a lot at jim tara on twitter and instagram yeah, make sure you follow us what's that say again i'm make sorry sure you follow us yeah right, but right you don't right. really have to um at Jim Tara on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Epstein hitting on Instagram and Twitter as well. All right, let's get to our uh, main topic at hand this week. Episode 76 of the lab. Thank you for joining us, listening, watching on the audio and uh, YouTube side, overrated, underrated part two. We're just sticking with baseball topics today, hitting topics. So let's get to it. Overrated, underrated. I've got five topics here. I wrote it on my prep sheet, A, B, C, D, E. And the first one, A, front foot. This is not talked about nearly enough front foot landing open after you stride overrated underrated underrated okay next question b <laughs> i was waiting i was waiting for an explanation oh and that's why uh, i, st- I, I mean, like to I stare at you and then make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it, makes for good audio you can you can, you can uh, so it has to be open you know i, I usually teach 45 degrees but um, the studies show that you'll create the most uh, energy at, at 70 degrees open, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot. You know, think of closed at at zero degrees and fully open at 90 degrees. Okay, so 70 degrees is kind of where where most players are. Um, they get to it naturally. It's like if you're playing catch, the front foot's going to open. Watch a pitcher when they land and come down the mound; their front foot's wide open, right? The front mm-hmm. foot opens the front knee, um, or the front knee opens the front foot. However you want to look at it. Um, the reason it's underrated is Players that don't open their front foot and lock in their front foot and their front knee, it's very hard to change. It's very hard to get them to to actually open that front foot a little bit, um, which limits their separation, which limits their power, which limits the amount of pitches they can get to. Um, you have to make that person almost into a, a, a very, you know, more of a, a line drive, low line drive hitter. So hopefully they can really run. Um, 
the front foot if it opens too much usually that's easier to fix like you could close it off by just keeping your upper body closed a lot more or stepping more towards the plate so the reason it's it's underrated is um it's crucially important and if it doesn't open it's very hard to fix and change players to open it without them spinning off and pulling off all right second one overrated underrated radial deviation aka bat tipping in the load aka what ted williams did i.e what ted williams did overrated Mm -hmm. i think it's the only reason it's overrated is because if you teach that and that's your main point of emphasis mm-hmm. i mean we're throwing in like a little bit of uh um sheffield too right that right. would be the extreme version oh, of yeah. that Big time. you know bonds had a little bit of it out towards the mike piazza it's hard to say well. overrated or underrated because it's a really good move like my dad loved that move well mike piazza um, did it as well yeah um the only reason i'm saying it's overrated is players maybe that are younger that sell out for that move thinking it will fix other mechanical moves it will totally destroy your swing so if you have that move and then you lose your back elbow you're done you're done playing so if it's taught early in the process it's bad if you have really good mechanics and you want to implement a little bit of it then it's good with all the information out there nowadays from scouting reports to digital scouting reports analytics and data etc etc on the mental side of hitting, should we still be guessing? I know thinking along with the pitcher, guessing kind of the same thing, but with all the new information out there, let's take away the uh, the first part of that. Let's just focus on the guessing part. Thinking along with the pitcher, we'll, we'll... Is this C? We'll bookmark that. This is C. Or is this 2A? I mean, B1. What? <laughs> on your outline. This is C. This is a totally different topic than bad tipping. Correct. Yes. We're moving on. We're moving on to the am mental I side. To, am yeah. I supposed to say overrated C. or underrated here? This is C. Yes. So overrated, underrated, C. guessing. C. Guessing. Play. Yes. Overrated, underrated. I was trying to give more of a back. Underrated. A, a backlog. Underrated. So underrated. Guessing is like a four-letter word. Having a plan is uh, the greatest thing ever. So mm-hmm. I would consider guessing. Yeah. Um, uh, as anticipating, as in using maybe analytics based on how this pitcher has thrown you in the past, how they typically throw, what they are out of the stretch, what part of the game it is. This is all in like my dad's book from, I don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago. Which I have uh, still, by the way. Yeah. No, and, and it's just thinking along with the pitcher, having a plan, having a, an approach mm-hmm. based on game situations. Um, so, yes. You definitely have to do that. Now, can you overdo that? Yes. Can players overthink things? Yes. Now, pitchers also have analytics, and they're trying to get out of the norm of what they normally do, Mm -hmm. right? Normally, when the count is two and one against the left-handed hitter, I throw a two-seam fastball 68% of the time. Okay, so that hitter's probably looking for a fastball in that situation. Well, I know that I normally do that. Maybe from the seventh inning to the ninth inning, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, or right. the third time through the lineup, I'm not. So everybody's got two-sided a- analytics. So now all of a sudden you're, you could be um, creating the, like, too, too much vibration in the brain. Like, we're thinking too much, right? There's too much clutter in there. And then a good hitting coach needs to remove that clutter. And some players like that information. 
and some players hate that situation. And you need to know who wants what and when. That's where a good hitting coach comes in. All right. Uh, moving on to D. Overrated, underrated. Hand path. The letter D. The letter D or, is underrated. And or bat path. Hand path and or bat path. When people talk about that and people teach it and having to have a good quality hand and bat path, is that overrated or underrated? Depends who you talk to. Well, I'm talking to if you. You talk to me, it's underrated. Everybody <laughs> thinks that if you have good legs, then your bat path will be good. Right. Um, I am not that person. No. Right or wrong, I'm not that person. So mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big hand path guy. Yeah. Um, not to say that I don't teach the legs or want the legs to work perfectly, but it's very simple to have good, I shouldn't say simple, it's easier to have really good legs mm-hmm. than it is to have a really good hand path. And hand path leads to barrel path, and barrel path leads to consistency, and consistency leads to being in the lineup. Underrated. With, okay, I came up with a great idea, and just by the way. I'm going to do it after we're done our final, our final, final one here on segment three of the show or segment, whatever segment we're on Um, spin rate. I'm going to give you a pitching one now, just, just to round it all out, just to have a little fun. Is this this E E or not E? This is E. Oh yeah. Spin rate. Pay attention then. All right. Spin rate on the, on the pitching side, overrated, underrated. When people talk about it, people try to teach towards that type of data spin rate. O slash U, overrated, underrated. Mm. I'm not a pitching guy. Well, they don't call as the a best hitter, co-host for, as, not, as, as, for as nothing. As a hitter, it's very important. It's underrated. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Why? Let's expand. Uh, because different spin rates makes the ball. So we've talked about, you know, when's the last time you can make an adjustment to a pitch, right? Like yeah. eight feet. Your muscles, whether you see it move within like that eight to 12 foot range, Mm -hmm. whether you see the ball moving differently, you can't, your brain can't contract your muscles fast enough to make an adjustment to that pitch. The adjustment has to be made before that dead zone, averaging 10 feet, right? Probably maybe 12 feet when guys throw above 95. So, um, so if you have a spin rate that's different, than most like most people spin rate is 2700 and yours is 3000 on your fastball now all of a sudden when i see the ball halfway to the plate i'm telling myself it's going to end up here well now all of a sudden it doesn't drop an extra half inch or a quarter inch and instead of me driving that ball i pop it up right i'm just under it a little bit or maybe i miss it completely so that's why spin rate is so important. That's why the substance issue was so important because all of a sudden the ball started doing different things than it normally does. And you can't make that adjustment fast enough as a hitter inside yeah. that window. So if all of a sudden that spin rate's five or 600 RPM um, faster than that ball is moving a half inch further, an inch further, whatever it is, that's, that's not fair. So as a pitching coach, now you want to mix spin rates. You want to have one guy with a, maybe a higher spin rate that ball jumps out of his hand. And then maybe you want to have a guy with a sinker 
more of a, a different axis spin rate that moves differently and they come in for the next at bat because that keeps the hitter on their toes. Um, and that's why I think spin rate is, is very important in this game and also making sure that it's policed. Um, I don't know if this is the right way to police it, but I, I think that's one of the big reasons why hitting has gone down a lot um, was because of the substance that was used. Not that, hey, I, I'm all for guys having a grip on the ball, but making the ball do things outside the norm of what the ball should do, yeah. that may, that that's not fair to the hitter. Oh, well, that wraps up our overrated, underrated uh, part two. We'll do part three, and if anybody, we'll do it down the line, but if anybody has any topics, suggestions that they'd like that we'd like to touch on, that they'd like us to touch on, um, on part three, please send it in, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. All right, next week. <sighs> next I week. can't wait. I'm just going to let the graphic on YouTube say it. And tell everybody. And if you're not watching on YouTube, that's your problem. But Did I look the right direction or is it over here? We're doing a certain uh it takes up the whole screen. We're doing a certain um certain podcast hosts uh swing breakdown just to have some fun yeah. and so better get, get my this week, Jim. I'm ready ready for my confidence to be be shattered good. completely. So no, it's all good. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, famous last words. What do we got? That's coming up next week. What do you got coming up at the lab? Uh, I'm trying to think what we, I just got back from the lab. We had a great certification training and a full, full boat of, of, um, of our, our membership groups, our, our, our daily training. So mm -hmm. more of the same, we just keep getting better. My staff down there is phenomenal they all went through certification training for like 16 hours over the weekend so they are ripping and raring to go with with good information but no i'm, I'm so excited i was down there and and all the the full-time um guys we have down there with matt and jay and Dwayne and kenny like i got these guys are so good and they're all good at different things um, you know, mechanics, one, uh, you know, upper body mechanics, mental stuff, rhythm and timing, situational hitting. Like we've put the player through all these different stations throughout the day. And each station essentially has an expert instructor and it just fires me up. Like well, the progress I'm seeing with players. So anyway, just, just more of the same, you know, getting players better, maximizing their potential. Come see us. The labbcs.com. Very good. Don't ask. Oh. All right. So that wraps up our show this week. Thank you for listening and watching. And uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, whatever, leave them on Twitter, leave them on Instagram at Jim Tara at Epstein hitting or email us Jimbo podcast at 20 uh, Jimbo. This episode's gone too long. Jimbo podcast 21 <laughs> at gmail.com. Okay. Well, see you later, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.